Welcome to the Local Government Bulletin Podcast Series of the Dalla Omar Institute at the University of the Western Cape. Here you can listen to short articles on local government law and policy. We aim to assist practitioners and deepen debates on local governance and service delivery. We hope you enjoy this podcast. You know, as of today, the number of cases uh, reported from uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is 233 cases and four days. And it's actually, in terms of uh, confirmed cases, it's the lost uh, region. But as Mike said, um, we, 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 have, we cannot take this number uh, as, you know, uh, the um, uh, amount of or the number of cases we have in Africa. Probably we have undetected cases or unreported cases. But in addition to that, even if we take these 233 cases are uh, true, we have to prepare for the worst. In other countries, we have seen how the virus actually accelerates uh, after a certain tipping tipping point. So the best advice for Africa is to prepare for the worst and prepare today. It's actually better, if these numbers are really true, to cut it from the bud. And that's why we're saying we have to do the testing, we have to do the contact tracing, we have to do the isolation and cut it from the bud. And with regard to mass gathering and so on, it will help if we avoid that. And WHO's recommendation is actually mass gatherings should be avoided and we should do all we can to cut it from from the bud, uh, expecting that the worst could happen because we have seen how the virus really speeds up and accelerates in other uh, continents or, 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 or countries. So that's our advice, and I think uh, Africa should wake up. My continent should wake up. African School on Decentralization, the impact of COVID-19 on decentralization in Africa by Curtly Stevens. On the 28th of August 2020, the African School on Decentralization brought together 19 out of 25 participants selected for the school virtually to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on decentralization with respect to Africa. The webinar aimed to provide participants, funding partners and lecturers with an opportunity to formally introduce themselves. Perhaps more importantly, the webinar served as a platform for knowledge sharing on how African countries, particularly decentralized states such as South Africa, Kenya and Ethiopia, have been impacted and responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. In his opening address, Professor Nico State, the Sachi Chair in Multilevel Government Law and Policy, and development set the scene by sharing Africa's COVID-19 statistical report, dated 27 of August 2020. At the outset, Stately noted that from the five regions in Africa, the pandemic mostly impacted the Southern African region, with South Africa registering more than half, 60% of all reported confirmed cases in the region. However, according to Stately, the current COVID-19 statistics do not paint a complete picture, given the widespread complaints of underreporting in Africa. Another key issue, apart from the number of reported infections, is the economic and social consequences arising from the stringent lockdown measures implemented in various countries to contain the pandemic. 
In consequence of the global and national recessions, it is predicted that 27 million people will be pushed into extreme poverty in sub-Saharan Africa, with some going as far as predicting that the number of deaths due to social and economic consequences will far outstrip those caused directly by the disease. Key question. What is the impact and relevance of the pandemic on decentralized governance? With reference to South Africa, Ethiopia and Kenya, Stately remarked that the impact of the pandemic on decentralized governance largely depends on who are the decision makers. But in federations, it is the federal government, states, provinces or counties or local government. Importantly, one should also not forget the role of traditional authorities. At the heart of decentralized governance arrangement lies the distribution of powers and functions. The decision-making powers of the various orders of government was an important factor during the early stages of the pandemic. For example, who had the authority to declare a state of emergency or disaster? This is generally a power reserved for the central or federal government. On the other hand, healthcare services are often split between the federal, central and state governments. Indeed, the coronavirus rapid spread is wreaking havoc across the world and the African continent is no exception. Globally, as of 6 September 2020, there have been over 26 million confirmed COVID-19 cases, including over 800,000 deaths reported to the World Health Organization. Of the global cases, Africa, as of 6 September, reported over a million confirmed COVID-19 cases, of which over 800,000 are deemed recovered. Sadly, over 22,000 cumulative COVID-19 deaths were reported in Africa as of that date. Several African countries, in particular South Africa, Ethiopia and Kenya, have adopted measures to slow down and control the spread of the disease. Some of these measures include lockdowns and the closure of borders. Let us briefly explore in more detail South Africa, Ethiopia and Kenya's responses to the pandemic as case studies. South Africa with over 600,000 confirmed COVID-19 cases and over 15,000 deaths as at 7 September 2020, South Africa has the highest number of reported cases in Africa. To combat the spread of the virus, the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs declared a national state of disaster on the 15th of March 2020. The declaration of disaster and subsequent lockdown announced by the President on the 26th of March 2020 had a major disruptive effect on the functioning of South Africa's multi-level government system. The South African Constitution establishes a three-sphere system of government, national, provincial and local, of which all the three spheres of government are guaranteed certain key roles and functions as provided in the Constitution. Due to how the Constitution divides responsibilities across the three spheres, particularly the fact that hospitals fall under the jurisdiction of provinces, these subnational governments played a very important role in the country's health response. For example, COVID-19 testing and screening was a primary function of provincial hospitals. Provinces also had to implement and enforce rules on the reopening and closing of schools. Given that primary education is a concurrent function of both the national and provincial governments. In general, however, South Africa's COVID-19 response was centrally coordinated through the establishment of the National Coronavirus Command Council, NCC, a national disaster advisory body. Essentially, at some point, the NCC became so important that people started to question its legal and constitutional status. Generally, 
South Africa's response has been coordinated and informed by the COVID-19 risk-adjusted strategy. In principle, this strategy makes provision for different alert levels and lockdown restrictions. Although there have been calls for government to follow a differentiated differentiated approach, the strategy has not been implemented in a differentiated manner. For example, during the webinar, Yaab the Fisher from the Dalai Omar Institute used the infamous alcohol ban as a case in point to illustrate that while the alcohol ban was imposed throughout the country, it had a devastating impact on the Western Cape wine exporting industry in particular. At the local government level, the existing functions of municipalities such as water and sanitation, law enforcement and the regulation of trade undertook a different dimension. For example, traffic officers had to enforce the lockdown. Municipalities had to provide emergency water responses where people did not have access to water. Municipalities were also assigned new functions such as providing emergency food relief. Notably, Three of the country's largest cities that were at the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak, City of Cape Town, Johannesburg and Intercontinental Metropolitan Municipalities also appeared before Parliament to share their COVID-19 recovery plans. Presently, the most spoken about issue at the local government level is the economic ruin caused by the pandemic. For example, it is reported that the city of Chwani lost approximately 1.2 billion in uncollected revenue. Certainly. The lockdown and its impact on the formal and informal economy will likely result in 34% of households exiting the middle class to vulnerability. Consequently, the rise in the number of unemployment figures over 3 million jobs lost has increased the demand for basic services to be expanded for free. This, in turn, has reduced the ability of municipalities to collect and increase taxes and fees for services. The national government has set aside 21 billion relief funding for municipalities, which arguably is not enough. On the way forward, the Fisher recommended government to revise the intergovernmental fiscal framework and call upon municipalities to be more innovative. Ethiopia. On the 13th of March 2020, Ethiopia reported its first confirmed COVID-19 case. Since then, the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases rapidly escalated to over 57,000 confirmed cases with over 800 deaths as at 7 September 2020. The daily infection rate is reported at 1,000 a day despite the lack of tests being conducted due to a shortage of testing kits. Of the non-regional states, the state of Adabas, Ada Ababa, is at the epicenter of the pandemic, accounting for 70% of the total cases. With regards to the federal arrangement in Ethiopia, Zamalak Ayele from the Center of Federal Federalism and Governance Studies highlighted that both the federal and state government played a role in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. The health function is envisioned as a concurrency competence by the Ethiopian constitution, meaning both the federal and states can pass health policies and legislation. The two levels of government also exercise concurrently the power to declare a state of emergency. On the other hand, the authority to close borders as a means to slow down the spread of the virus is a power vested in the federal government. 
the federal government has adopted various measures to combat the epidemic. These include conducting screening, temperature checks at airports, the closure of borders and schools, and the placing of persons suspected with the virus under mandatory quarantine, among others. I early noted that states were very slow in their response to the pandemic owing to the centralized tendencies of the federal government in the past. Generally speaking, states over the years developed the tendency to wait on the federal government to do something. However, the North Regional State of Tigray declared its own state of emergency despite the federal state of emergency. Economically, the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the World Bank and United Nations, has caused the Yomi economy to contract by 4% with more than 330,000 jobs lost. The pandemic has also forced the country to postpone its sixth national election. This led scholars debating whether the federal government could postpone the election and if so, who is going to govern the country until the next election. The matter was taken to the House of Federations, a body charged with interpreting the constitution, where it was found that the election could be postponed indefinitely, enabling the current parliament to govern the country until the next election. Significantly, the Tigray region is still planning on going ahead with its regional elections, despite the House of Federation's decision. The absence of intergovernmental forums was another challenge factor that made coordination, cooperation between the federal and regional governments difficult. In this regard, Aheli called on the Ethiopian government to establish IGR structures and an independent body charged with settling constitutional disputes. Let's turn to Kenya. Like the rest of African countries, Kenya has been severely impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic with 35,000 cumulative confirmed cases and over 600 deaths as of 6 September 2020. As from 15 March 2020, the Kenyan government took drastic measures to limit movement and economic activities, which as expected impacted negatively on the country's population. The Kenyan Constitution of 2010 introduced a devolved system of governance comprising the central government and 47 county governments. From a functional point of view, Mutuga Kango, who is a lecturer at the Mo University and alumnus of the Daloma Institute, noted that since COVID-19 is a health disaster, an intergovernmental response is necessary. During the early stages of the pandemic, the summit and IGR structure convened several meetings to allow the president to discuss COVID-19 related issues with the governors of the counties. Unfortunately, this was not the case before the pandemic. Thus, calls have been made for the two levels of government to continue with this current practice. Another key lesson emerging from Kenya is that of the threat of centralization given limited capacity of county governments to deliver healthcare services. Similar to South Africa, the issue of financing devolution is a very hot topic in Kenya. In fact, the Kenyan Senate had to adjourn nine times after it failed to adopt the revenue allocation formula. More disputes regarding finances are thus predicted given the limited availability of resources at both levels of government. The role of government in the post-COVID-19 era. So far, the management of the pandemic in South Africa, Ethiopia and Kenya has mainly followed a top-down approach. This may have been appropriate in the initial period of curtailing the spread of the virus. However, a more differentiated approach is now required to deal with the deadly social and economic aftermath of the restrictions and provinces and municipalities should play a pivotal role in this regard. Pumla Khlati, 
doctoral researcher at the Dalla Omar Institute, gave a presentation titled The Role of South African Local Government in Post-COVID-19 Economic Recovery, which set out the considerations for local economic development. By way of example, Khalati observed that South Africa has one of the most enabling constitution and legislative frameworks for LED. Indeed, the role of local government in LED is clearly set out in the White Paper on Local Government. In practice, there have been pockets of LED-based practices in South Africa, with different approaches across municipalities, some following the pro-poor approach, whereas others favor pro-growth, market-orientated approach. Several pre-existing COVID-19 challenges remain and need to be addressed, however. These include financial and human resources constraints and the questions around whether LED is an unfunded mandate. Nevertheless, local governments, when dealing with the aftermath of the pandemic, must get the basic or governance issues right, such as appointing competent leadership. It must also follow a differentiated approach, promote skills and infrastructure development and promote private partnerships with businesses. According to Khlati, the ability of local governments to engage in or and promote LED, among other things, depend on the level of fiscal autonomy. autonomy. Going forward, globally and in Africa, subnational governments are expected to be at the front line of the post-COVID-19 response. The African School of Decentralization will continue to monitor the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on, and its impact on decentralization in Africa and provide relevant analysis. From the discussion above, the following key themes and governance-related issues have emerged and should further be explored. Number one, division of powers. Has there been a process of centralization of key functions? For instance, has activities previously undertaken by states or local governments been reassigned to the central government? Also, have functions been shifted away from the central government to local government? Iterative measures. Have subnational government be innovative in their response to the pandemic, especially from a health and an economic perspective? Financing of subnational governments as number three. How have subnational government financed the demand for services, taking into account the decline in transfers and own revenue sources? The ASD and its funders remain committed to not only press ahead with the school, but most importantly, ensure the safety of all those that will take part in the school. The inaugurated course will be held in 2021 under the same team Decentralization and Development in Africa. Taking into account the progress made in combating the pandemic, the new date shall be communicated in due course. Thanks for listening. If you found it useful, please share this podcast via your social media. The Local Government Bulletin is supported by the Hansaidel Foundation and the Bavarian State Chancellery. We are proud to contribute to the debate on local governance and service delivery.